Hi, Kate. <laughs> um, I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing so good. How are you? I'm great. Um, so I can't believe you're four hours ahead of me. I just have to say this. I feel like you live in Antarctica. Like I'm like, yeah. Does four hours ahead even exist? I I really feel the same way. Um, because whenever I call Sky, well, one time Skylar, she lives in BC, same time zone. Um, she actually called me at one in the morning and she was like, Gracie, what's going on? And I was like waking up like Skylar, do you even know where I am right now? What's going on? So I definitely get that. Yeah. Yeah. The sun is still up. Um, it is pitch black because it is currently 11 o'clock here. Just so our listeners know what's going on, it's 11 o'clock here. And it's 7 o'clock here. So, there you go. Yeah. So, we're talking about corporate worship today. Something I know you're very passionate about. And I actually, I have something I want to tell you. And I've been holding off to tell you this until we were recording. The first time you used the phrase corporate worship with me, I did not know what that meant. I, like... For a long time, you kept saying it, and I was like, like, what is she referring to? Because I was just, like, (laughs) like, picturing just, like, I was, like, trying to, like, I didn't know what you meant at all. And I really thought that you really took issue with, like, worship music. And I thought that you were bringing it up, like, every single Sunday. And I was like, what does this mean? And so if I have that question, I'm sure some of the listeners have oh, that I'm question sure, too you know everything so if you don't yeah. know it then yeah that's really true and that's what i was trying to draw out here just like a like, way to glorify myself and right. have a flawless segue into kate what is corporate worship well okay i think i've come to think of corporate worship as god's people gathering together to per to worship god that's like baseline it's a bunch of people worshiping god together okay um yeah and i think it's different than a bunch of non-believers coming together obviously because we're all um worshiping something other than ourselves we're all worshiping the same god hopefully Mm. and so it's very different than like a gathering of any old person that likes the same sports team or has the same job or whatever Hmm. yeah okay that's okay i have so many i have so many thoughts already so (laughs) so just to break that down a little bit corporate worship is the gathering of believers um specific you mentioned like church what would you say like play that out what would you want that to look like um because i know when a lot of people hear the word worship we're initially thinking like oh people are gathering together for church so that we can sing songs together that's the worship portion but whenever you refer to corporate worship you're talking about the whole church service right like specifically even reading scripture and praying together yes so i think um all the passages in the new testament that talk about god's people gathering together you can go to the first Corinthians is a great book that talks about it. But, um, yeah, first Timothy, even 
it talks about preaching scripture, singing psalms, hymns, mm-hmm. spiritual songs together. That comes up in Ephesians 5 and Colossians 3, 1 Timothy, Matthew, 1 Corinthians. Yeah, I think a worship, a corporate worship service, a weekly gathering looks like teaching the teaching the Bible, singing the Bible, um, celebrating ordinances of baptism and Lord's Supper, and also just building up the body. I think of Ephesians 5 when it says building up the saints for the work of ministry. I think that's the purpose of the local church um, overall. Wow. Okay. That's that's so exciting. That makes <laughs> so much sense because, yeah. Okay. I guess whenever I had formally thought about corporate worship and the way that I had pictured in my brain I was really thinking and this is just because of my church experience I was really thinking like those typical things that you would think of as worship because we have that's what we call it even though that terminology is wrong I would always think of oh the music and then we have the preaching when in reality we're supposed to view the entire church service as an act of worship because that's what the bible calls it um I guess so earlier today you sent me an article which was so phenomenal it was Mm -hmm. so enlightening i read it and i sent it to my dad and i said dad you should read this bussin article um (laughs) pretty boss if you ask me those were my exact words to him um and it kind of gives us a timeline of what corporate worship has looked like through scripture and why we have come to the place that we are at with corporate worship i i I spoke to you earlier i think you're ready to kind of give us a little layout of what that looks like through the timeline and i'll hop in when necessary yeah so the article kind of lays out um yeah kind of the sequence of how worship has been modeled in scripture and how jesus ultimately fulfilled a lot of that but when you look at the old testament um you know Obviously, there's no church gathering once a week to, as we see it now. Um, But when you look at worship in the Old Testament, it's often through burnt offerings, sacrifices. They have the Levitical law there to upkeep. And so, yeah, it was very much based on these physical outward um, sacrifices and yeah, you can kind of see that in the Mosaic Covenant and like the Levitical law, sacrifices, rituals, and then a few times a year with the feasts, like those were times where they would like sing together. That was like a special thing. They wouldn't sing together when they're going to make a burnt offering. It was during those yearly feasts, which I think is really interesting that now we sing, we get to sing as God's people together every single week and some people take it for granted. Um, but anyways, then Christ comes, and I think this point in the article is really, really interesting. Christ comes and fulfills and transforms our worship because he then claims himself as the temple, right? Like he says in John, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it up, talking about his own body. Um, and so before, when people, God's people would go to the temple to worship, to offer burnt sacrifices, to meet with meet God in his presence. Now we have the opportunity. Jesus is walking on earth. He is the temple at that time where God, God's presence is made manifest. And then, um, 
later on when Jesus dies and resurrects and then Pentecost, the Holy Spirit comes, we all now get to be that temple. Um, And yeah, the New Testament talks about that. Like your bodies are temples for the Holy Spirit. And so now, and even in John, when Jesus talks about there'll be a time when um, worshipers will not have to go to Jerusalem to worship, but they will just worship in spirit and in truth. Mm-hmm. That's because of the inward renewal that Jesus Christ brings when we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So instead of outwardly, physically burning offerings, we are now living sacrifices offered up to God as spiritual worship, as Romans 12 puts it, yeah. which is so cool. Yeah. Do oh. you have anything to add on oh, that? Or like, I have so um, many things yeah, to add. Yeah, have you thought about that? This, okay. Hearing that layout for the first time today, I'm sitting in the Starbucks reading it, like literally smiling to myself because I thought this was the coolest thing because I had never actually thought about the Old Testament and how their worship would have been primarily just personal worship. I had never really connected those dots in my head. And so as like, obviously, we see that Christ is the fulfillment of all things in his coming. But even seeing that Christ was the fulfillment of their worship and the way that that really just, um, it just made all the dots connect in the way that we do church services now. Because I guess even once I came to a better understanding of what corporate worship should look like and how it's not about your personal experience, but rather it's about the experience of the community and not the experience of the community. That was bad words. Um, It's about like gathering together as a body and fellowshipping as believers and like being under the word of God. I um, like seeing Christ as the fulfillment of that was so interesting to me and so encouraging to me because while we were uh, something the article said was like it was like talking about how they couldn't this was like such a special event that they would gather together this couple times of year and it was so special and then the idea that we get to do that um weekly and it's personal each time I don't know it just blew me away because I think that we often like lose that like importance and we lose the excitement around worship and around Sunday morning meetings and I think that's because we've really limited worship to an event that takes place on Sunday morning rather than the way that we live does that make Mm -hmm. sense yeah it's not an event it's like a structure that God has put in place for us to fully enjoy him Mm -hmm. together um I think of that verse in first Peter it's first Peter 2 10 where it says once you were not a people now you are God's people yeah um and and then all throughout the New Testament when you you read about the church gathered as God's people it's it's very clear that God desires his people to be together and gathered. Mm-hmm. It even requires in Hebrews, like, do not neglect the meeting of meeting with one another. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, obviously we can see that COVID had a big hit on that with everyone being distanced. But I even think before that you could see, like, the diminishing of, like, people wanting to meet together. Um, mm-hmm. And I guess my question for you is what do you see as like the primary reason behind so many people not wanting to meet together anymore? 
because yeah, like, even oh. in the church that's a problem mm-hmm. yeah I think I think you kind of started to hint at it earlier but the emphasis on personal experience and having your faith be only between you and God and you're never um sharing that with other people or inviting other people into that Mm -hmm. I think something that really changed my mindset on why being together in Christianity and your faith is an important thing is thinking about God's kingdom as less of like I'm taking my faith and I'm spreading the kingdom and more of I get to take my faith and invite people into this kingdom with Mm me you know it's God's kingdom not mine and I get to invite people into that. And I think just the emphasis that has been put on the local church in recent years, and I don't wanna, that's a big generalization. I think they're really solid churches that are big and that are growing, and that's great. But like, you think about mainstream mega churches right now and how mm-hmm. they're, how they're um, presenting the doctrine of faith um as this personal experience and feeding it by the music that they play and the sermons that they preach that aren't building up the saints for the work of ministry but rather they're kind of feeding emotions of um their people making their people become making their church members become consumeristic Mm -hmm. thinking oh i need to go to a church that um, plays music that, that I like and preaches sermons that make me feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like that emphasis is pretty clear in mainstream worship music and famous like TikTok and Instagram sermons that little bits that go viral that mm-hmm. are like just, yeah, so not based on scripture. And it's hard to say, like, it's hard to pinpoint like, oh, what what was the root of that? But I think just the root is people wanting to feel validated in their emotions, wanting to feel um, like they're yeah, I guess that's that's the good the way to put it, validated in their emotions, and I think that the church can feed that in a lot of different ways. Yeah. Oh, I agree with you so 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 much. Um, that's great. <laughs> I just, I, I also, I, hmm, I wonder sometimes about like, I would say, I think we didn't talk about this, but we went to a pretty big church this year together while we were at school. And Mm -hmm. I think both of us, over the course of the year, while we really appreciated the church, we wrestled sometimes with, like, the size of the church and, like, was this all for production? Mm -hmm. And I think, like, there is that difficulty where you're trying to find that balance between is this all about my personal experience or is this really about seeing the gospel go forth? Um, And I think that's a really big challenge for anyone who's looking for a church at this point, because I think that we've so far diluted what the church was called to be and what it looked like originally, that we are almost trying to, we're almost trying to compromise on what the church is now so that we can fit the important things in there and I I hmm, I just kind of wrestle with that because I feel like we've devalued the church meeting and made it more about experience than who God the God we are worshiping is and it's no longer about gathering together to glorify God but it's about who can make the best production of what 
yeah. of what's going on at church. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, my next question that I kind of had for you was how can we as believers and as the church be actively working against our churches becoming performance based? Um, and like how I think, I think I want to be careful because like, we don't want to, these are our brothers and sisters in Christ and everything we want to do, we want to be like honoring them before the Lord and speaking. That doesn't mean not calling out sin, but I just want to be careful, like, because these are our brothers and sisters in the Lord. So how do we walk alongside them and how do we actively work against that performance-based culture? Yeah, I think, I think a church, my pastor once said a church is only as, strong as its strongest member right Mm -hmm. like and I think that makes me think of church leadership Mm -hmm. um if your church is not being led well and led in the truth then it won't be working itself out well in things like your weekly gatherings obviously Mm -hmm. and so I, I think preaching the bible and not being so concerned with growth or um how people are feeling about the service and rather letting god's word speak for itself and inform the hearts and minds of the people that are attending your church um and so obviously that's not our job but i think that's something that you can definitely look for in a church is are they preaching the bible and are your are its members being informed first and foremost by the the word of god i think of the verse in romans one, I think it's 27. Let me find it real quick. I think you're right. Um, I have that one written down too. One, no, 16. Oh. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. So that verse really strikes me because it says the gospel is the power of God for salvation. And it's not going to be the best worship song or the most feel good sermon that's bringing people to salvation. It's the power of the gospel alone. Mm -hmm. And so preach the gospel in your churches and sing the gospel. And I think, yeah, I don't know if we're going to talk about music a little bit later, but I think to combat the production based, whatever, I think turning our eyes just completely away from ourselves, from worship leaders, from pastors, and just turning our eyes to Christ and allowing God to work through those people, but not those people trying to um, somehow harness their faith more strongly than all the other church members for whatever reason. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does make sense. I I really like what you said about preaching the gospel in the church because... My mom literally just sent me this clip a couple of not uh, she might have just showed it to me Um, and it was one of those Instagram clips but it was like talking about how we have church so many churches that are so focused on production that they aren't putting forth the gospel and it was like Mm -hmm. if the example she gave was like if you had the opportunity to give a message to people who were in the 9-11 building the day before 9-11, what are you going to say? Are you going to give them a feel-good message about, like, that will touch their emotions and then make them feel better about themselves? Or are you going to give them the real, like, 
Jesus died for your sins. You are a sinner. You need to accept him. And I think that really opened my eyes because I've been thinking about it ever since the fact that we have so many churches that are really good at getting people connected and yet they're leaving and they don't know the gospel. And to Mm -hmm. me, that isn't really... To me, that doesn't really speak to a church service, right? Because if the point of the church is Jesus Christ, if he's the head of the church, then why are we spending so much time talking about everything but Jesus Christ? Why Mm. are we spending so much time touching on everything but the gospel? Because I don't think that we really as a church view those things as secondary. I think in reality, we view those things as ultimate and the gospel as secondary. Hmm. Yeah, and I think looking at scripture, looking at those books that I named off earlier and the model of church gatherings that mm-hmm. we receive in the word, there's nothing about any kind of, like put it in context, there's nothing about what the building should be, what what it should, what the lighting should be, what the... The, so the smoke machines, that, the fog machines. Right. It doesn't prescribe <laughs> smoke machines, by the way. Just for everyone out there, the Bible actually never told us to put smoke <laughs> machines at our worship services. Oh my gosh, it's crazy. I know. But it's not biblical, actually. Um, and I'm not, yeah. And I, at the same time, we have like freedom in, in that to make those kinds of decisions, but it's also not. Um, I don't know. Not everything in the Bible is prescriptive, um, but I think a lot of those passages can help us understand what our um, corporate worship services should be. Let me find this quote from this. Uh, While you're looking for that, what I was just thinking was like, I guess we have the Bible as our template for like what the church should look like and like even what our teaching should look like and I think mm-hmm. that one thing and this might be a dumb point and that's fair but immediately what came to my mind is we look at every single letter in the bible and these are essentially like sermons to these people from commended workers and every mm-hmm. single one of them centers on Jesus Christ and they're right. going through they're going through theology, like they're talking about other topics, like you have every single topic that you can imagine going through in the Bible, and yet still their focus is Jesus Christ and the gospel, and we always come back to that. So I think that like if that's the template we've been given, that should be how we lay out our church services. That should be what our sermons look like. We're talking about other things, and yet the center point is the gospel. Right. Um, and I think <clears throat> something that the article mentioned is just asking the question, does it, when in regards to making decisions about corporate worship services, asking the question, will it edify God's people? Because mm-hmm. ultimately that is the goal of gathering every week is to edify one another, teaching one another in the word. Um, and so asking, you know, just putting our, like, offering money towards a smoke machine does that edify god's people or is that personal preference of oh this helps me worship better or like the ambiance really makes a difference of how well i can worship god 
well, really, worship to God is dying to yourself. So die to your preferences. Amen. Worship I... God. <laughs> and yeah, just continue to ask, does it edify? Does it edify the people, God's people around me towards Christ? Yeah. I, yeah. I, that was incredible. I don't know. I, I was <laughs> snapping while she did that, giving you snaps. Um, because, I, oh my goodness, I, this whole, like, idea of, like, oh, I need these things so that I can get into the mood of worship, you weren't here last term, but we had a speaker come last term, and he said, straight up, he was like, if you weren't worshiping when you walked into the church on Sunday morning, well, when the fog machines come on and the lights start flashing your hands in the air, you're not worshiping then. You aren't, because worship isn't about you and your feelings. Worship is a recognition of who God is. So why are you continually, like, why are you just turning off, off and on your recognition of who God is? Because really, we should be living in a, we we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. So we should be continually looking, fixing our eyes on who Christ is and living our lives in light of the fact that the glorious God who created heaven and earth has chosen to send his son to save us so that we can be in personal relationship with him that is what worship is it's a reflection of us understanding who god is and what he has done that's first john first john we love him because he has first loved us every single part of our christian life is us just living in response to what christ has done and that Hmm. should be our church services as well they are a natural response of us saying, this is what Christ has done. We are gathering, one, to remember that. Two, to be together as a body. The temple, temples, gathering together as one to remember exactly who God is and what he has done. Oh my goodness. I'm so yeah. excited. I'm hyped. Okay, I listened. Sorry, go home. <laughs> no, I have nothing else. I was just excited. <laughs> I was listening to this um, podcast that John Piper did on worship if you all if y'all know john piper if you don't mm-hmm. you should never heard of him. um but oh I'm that's joking. i have to that was go a joke, i actually guys. have to hop off this call <laughs> <laughs> anyways um he described worship and corporate worship he said you're not coming to give god anything right we we cannot give god anything he we cannot add to who he is not to get anything but you come to be satisfied fully in God. So corporate worship, he described it as you're trying to simultaneously increase hunger for God's word and then also increase satisfaction in God. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was a really good way of thinking about it. Like why we come together so that we increase our hunger for God and also increase our satisfaction. And he also talked about... Um, how true joy is not complete until it's expressed. So I can feel joy towards you, Gracie, for inviting me on this podcast. But that joy would not be complete until I express that to you. And I am like fully sharing that with you. And I think it's the same in worship. We worship him to give him praise, but also to complete our joy and our satisfaction in him. Um, yeah, not to complete anything in him that he doesn't already have, but to just offer him that offer up ourselves as as worship to complete our joy in him mm-hmm. yeah. i yeah 
This has been great. Well, yeah. I love talking about this. I am having such a good time. And, oh, I just, I just, we have six minutes left exactly because the Zoom call is going to log off because I don't have a Zoom I don't have a Zoom account, apparently, or I'm not paying for well, it. Well, that's fine. I but, thought that was, that's like 30 minutes, right? Oh, it's 30 minutes, but I want to go in one last direction, and then we're going to okay. sign off with one minute to go because I have to make sure I can save this audio. But okay, let's do it. I read this book. I am going to recommend this book probably in every podcast, every single one I do. It's called Look and Live by Matt Papa, um, and it's all about worship. It is okay, hands Papa. down the best like i recommend it to everyone i love it this book changed my life this book is incredible i love it so much okay and he taught the whole book's about worship and the glory of god and he talks about how humans were created to be worshipers and so whether or not you come to church when you come to church what whenever you're living your daily life you are worshiping something you are always worshiping something and so the question Mm -hmm. is what are you worshiping right and the whole idea of the book is how like the fixing your eyes on the glory of god abolishes sin fixing your eyes on the glory of god is what um changes everything about the way you live it's not your strength or your willpower it's simply worshiping the lord and so harold the quote in the book is from harold best he said when we sin worship does not stop but it changes direction and so i think the problem with the church is that it's all about us and our self-worship and even the worship of the leaders and the pastors that we have put in place and Mm -hmm. so i just think it's so interesting to me that we i think that what we really need to recognize is that yeah we can go to church and we have these worship services and yeah technically we're worshiping but i think the question really has to be every single time you walk into that church building every single time that you're about to like come together as a body whenever you do communion or the Lord's Supper, or whatever you call it at your church, who are you really worshiping? What are you fixing your eyes on? Sorry, I just burped. That's so inappropriate of me. Um, wow. <laughs> that's really unprofessional. I'm embarrassed. Um, you should be. I hope you regret that. I do. Yeah. And that was kind of, now, that was kind of the end, I guess. The Lord interrupted me with that birth, so I would stop talking probably. Right, um, probably. Yeah. I also have a book recommendation. Here it is. It's called Corporate Worship. Wow. <laughs> big title. Big unexpected. Very mysterious title. They literally left us in the dark with that one. Is it? But it's called the- Corporate Worship by Matt Merker. The forward is by Ligon Duncan, if you know him. It's so good. But I just wanted to read this little blurb on the back. Um, it says, Christians worship God at every at church every week, but many don't know exactly what worship is or why they do it. For some, it's a warm-up for the sermon. For others, it's a me and Jesus moment. What is the biblically informed way to view corporate worship? In this book, Matt Merker shows that corporate worship is the gathering of God's people by his grace, for his glory, for their good, and before a watching world. So, and then he says, he offers biblical insights and practical suggestions for making worship what it is truly meant to be a foretaste of God's people worshiping together in eternity in the new creation. So this gold, solid gold, it's incredible. I have like one chapter in and it's the best. So, well, are you making a, I wish you finished a it before re- I, record- I was oh. just about to say, are you making a book recommendation before you've read the whole book? 
Okay, but fingers crossed the ending is mad heresy. <laughs> no, it's not heresy. Okay, Nine Marks is based and Matt Merker is based. Who wrote that article that we've been referring this whole time? Was it him? No, it was Bobby Jameson, who is also pastor at a, the church that Matt Merker used to be at. Okay. Capitol Hill Baptist Church in Washington, D.C. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> they're doing a great job. Okay. They're doing, they're doing the Lord's work for I'm real, ex- for real. Oh, that's so good. Can't A round of applause for our brothers and sisters in D.C. Um, yes, <laughs> Um, this, we have got one minute and 37 seconds before this video automatically shuts off. So, okay, should we do like a rapid, f- well, I didn't even like give an intro of myself. Like they don't even know who I am, Gracie. Oh my goodness. You're so right. Because I was just so excited about just jumping right in there. Okay. Well, well this Kate, feels please wrong to do it now. No, do it at Can the end. edit it to the beginning? No, I want it to be at the end. So people are okay, like... We have one more minute. Okay, I'm Kate Fong, and I live in Clovis, California. It's right in the middle of California. It's in a valley. It's not the cool part, but I'm close to the cool parts. And I went to Bible school with Gracie, quickly became my theological partner, partner in theologically sound crime. And I'm so happy that she's doing a podcast. Everyone needs to listen to every single episode. This one was, the, they started at the bottom. It's going to get better from here, I promise. So once I leave, every episode's going to get better. Okay, that's it. That's my intro. Okay. Thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs>